They say that data is the new oil, but if you've been around the block in the world of machine learning, you know that what really counts is good labeled data. This episode is a conversation with Luke Gerdin, a PhD student at Carnegie Mellon's Human Computer Interaction Institute. Luke's recent work explores the pitfalls of training models using labels that imperfectly reflect the real world outcomes that we actually care to predict. If you're currently using or aspire to use machine learning to augment human decision-making, this conversation is guaranteed to get your gears turning. Hope you enjoy it. Hello, and welcome to Still Updating. This show is an open-ended exploration about data, AI, and how modern businesses are using technology to compete in the marketplace. Still Updating is brought to you by Endeavor Labs. By no coincidence, I, Nathan Gould, am both the founder of Endeavor Labs and the host of this podcast. Endeavor Labs is a data and AI-focused consultancy that helps businesses become smarter, faster, and leaner by leveling up their data game. With that said, let's get to the show. All right, and we're live. Uh, Luke, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Nathan. How are you? I'm doing good. Uh, so excited to have you on and talk about your research. And uh, there's there's a lot to cover, but before we before we dive into it, why don't you give a, a quick intro of yourself? Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, my name is Luke, and I'm a, a PhD student uh, here at Carnegie Mellon University, uh, based in the Human Computer Interaction Institute. Uh, so I broadly do research at the intersection of machine learning data science, uh, and also thinking about um, how people develop and evaluate systems and machine learning uh, for different applications. Um, some of them, including different business applications, too. Cool. So, so we met when I. Um... I tweeted something, and that tweet kind of hit home for you, and we ended up going back and forth over DM. Do you want to uh, do you want to tell the story? Yeah, I'm trying to find I'm trying to find the tw- uh, the tweet that you posted. But yeah, basically, I was just on Twitter, um, or I guess so, sorry to put days. you on the spot. It's like I don't really remember the tweet either, but <laughs> I remember what it was about. <laughs> yeah, I just remember that I just saw my my timeline. There was just this post about you know talking about how in a lot of data science applications. Uh, the labels that are targeted by these various models are really imperfect, and they imperfectly represent, you know, oftentimes the task that's trying to be performed by the model. And that was the first time, so we've, we've thought about this from a research perspective some, but that was the first time that I saw uh, folks with a lot of industry experience or people de- uh, deploying real-world systems with a lot of awareness of it. And I just remember, I don't remember the exact wording, but I just remember feeling really excited about it. So I think I gave it like a like or a retweet and, and uh, m- messaged Nathan about it to chat about it more. So it's pretty exciting to talk about. And um, yeah, it was a, a great way to connect with someone on Twitter. Yeah, that's an issue I'm, I'm, I'm very interested in. And I think it's like issues with data label quality are really are some of the more insidious problems in the, in the world of data science, because it's so hard to tell just looking at the data and analyzing it, whether you're dealing with, with good labels or bad, bad labels. But anyway, that's a good bridge into probably like a, maybe more in-depth Discussion of your research. So why don't you why don't you tell us you know what's what's keeping you busy these days, um, and what is what is your research, uh, you know, all about? Yeah, totally. So I think uh, a lot of what I think about day to day could be actually related to could be described as model evaluation or also problem formulation in data science. Basically, thinking about a lot of situations where folks introduce um, predictive models to help them make data driven decisions. And trying to understand and improve how they map the the goal of their task, so what they, the stated goal, which is maybe to you know use a model to improve some some downstream outcome related to the organization, and then kind of mapping that process down into how do you actually turn the available data sources into a into a model that you can can leverage, and really studying whether that model is doing whether you uh, w- what you think that it's doing. 
so oftentimes you, you sit down with a goal for a model and you, you measure it with some different labels or different downstream outcomes. But there's actually a lot of uh, issues that can come into play. I think the word you used is insidious. I think that's a, a good word because a lot of the evaluation tools that you get out of the box that you would, you know, if you go to Medium and you read about uh, AUROC or, you know, accuracy or a lot of different metrics um, don't necessarily pick up on these issues. So from a research perspective, I'm really interested in developing kind of technical evaluation tools, but then also actually working with different practitioners, data scientists and folks to understand uh, how these issues come up into practice and how we can better uh, proactively identify and, uh, and mitigate them. Got it. Can, can you give us, just to make this a little more concrete, like maybe a, a few examples of this issue kind of not handled properly and some of the negative quantities consequences that might arise out of that? Yeah, that's a great question. One of the, one of the, the examples that um, folks cite uh, for this the most often, at least academic um, people, and like, if you look at read papers in this area, there's a healthcare um, model that was deployed um, throughout the United States. Uh, if you want to re- look up this paper, it's called like dissecting uh, racial bias in an algorithm uh, used to inform medical decision making or something along those lines, uh, published in science. But anyways, um, this algorithm was deployed throughout the United States, and it was used to help clinicians decide which cases to screen into a, uh, a basically like a high-risk medical management program, care management program. So these folks who were screened in kind of got some additional resources. And what did the model developers do? Well, they, they decided to predict how expensive the cost would be, the cost of care uh, down the line. And you think this is a reasonable choice. Like, you know, the, the cost is going to be correlated to a lot of the, the health complications that we might be trying to identify. But it turns out the, the authors of this study this is known from the group that I'm involved with, but the authors of this study, they, they found that um, actually when you look at outcomes like healthcare need, like the actual medical needs of people who are uh, being screened into the program, like for instance, measured by new diagnoses, this algorithm actually was, was racially biased against especially the black population because these folks kind of had less access to insurance or other medical resources in the past. So basically that by following this really simple label, this really kind of straightforward label decision, something that at its face seems really reasonable, predicting cost. The, the model actually did a really bad job at doing what it was really intended to do, which was to identify medical need. So that's one example from the medical context. Cool. Yeah, so that it's a super... Oh, sorry, did I cut you off? No, 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 you're good. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I was just going to say, so got the idea, and it's it's like a super, a super nuanced problem, and uh, it seems almost impossible to study. So what is, what does studying that look like in practice? And also... Maybe this is a separate question, so st- start with that one. But I'm also curious, like if you're if you're a practitioner, how do you start to think about is this a problem that I have as I'm kind of building building a model? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, to begin, I'll, I'll zoom out a little bit, and this example that I just described to you is kind of one of maybe like five or six different challenges, at least like I'm aware of that are similar to this in terms of the issues that can impact models um, from an evaluation perspective. But for this particular issue. What I would, what you could start to do to think about if this is going to be a problem is first uh, kind of write down the goal of this model. What, what's the decision that's trying, that you're trying to inform with it? And in particular, kind of think about the, the fuzzy con- uh, concept that you might be trying to identify with this model. So for example, in this case, it was medical need. That was what was actually trying to be targeted by this model is identifying folks with high medical need. And then you, you map that, that broader dimension or consideration that you're, you're trying to target with your model or improve. And, and often this could be like a, also mapped to a key performance metrics or things like that too, things like customer satisfaction. And then next to that, you could write, okay, well, what do you actually have available in, in a data set uh, to predict from a model? And you might have things like, in this case, for this example, the cost, how expensive it was, uh, as well as uh, different diagnoses, 
And and also in this paper, they they differentiate between what they call like avoidable and unavoidable costs, so like elective, non-elective procedures. So you kind of write out in a table, um, you know, all those different outcomes that you could predict. And one thing you can ask is just, you know, at at its face from from thinking about it across these outcomes, are there going to be issues that we think based on our domain knowledge might arise? And this has a word like the 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 word to look up if you want to learn more is like face validity is one thing you can check. And if you have any red flags for that or issues you can think of, that's one thing to check. But another thing you can do is, this is kind of getting ahead a little bit to mitigating these challenges. But one thing you can do is basically think about how well your model is doing across all of the different outcomes that you could have available in your data set. And if you're doing a, a, a bad job with respect to a couple of important dimensions, that could be a sign that, that something's you know missed. Those are a couple of just initial things you could use to, to think about it. But oftentimes, any, anytime you're introducing a model to predict something that's kind of difficult or nebulous to define, like customer satisfaction, that's an, another example too. That's a setting where you might want to kind of think about this a little bit more carefully. Got it. In your research, have, have you come across any ways, so that's, you know, you just discussed a few ways you might kind of prompt yourself to figure out, you know, what are some issues that might arise in this modeling exercise? How about potential impact because i think i think in these situations you know you you'll often probably be able to come up with a laundry list of things that could go wrong like any modeling exercise is an exercise in you know simplifying reality so that you can you know map the inputs and outputs a little bit more effectively and uh you know they say you know what is it like you know uh, all models are wrong but some are useful right and this sort of feels like this problem sort of feels like uh an outcropping of of that reality that you know you're never going to have a, a fully accurate model, and you always have to make these trade offs. So how do you when you sort of go through this exercise of okay here here are all the things that could go wrong based on the way I'm sampling my data, the way I'm labeling labeling my data? How would you think about uh, assessing potential impact and figuring out are are any of these things that might go wrong worth paying attention to? Yeah, that's a that's a really important question. Um, I think that gets to the core of a lot of this. Or, or is that and, question oh, just too hard? <laughs> Maybe there's no answer yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think yeah. If we break it down, you know, one part is is this important, and then the second part is how do we kind of like assess it in relation to other issues. For the the first part, is this issue important? Um, I think that's something we can definitely answer both from just looking at real world deployments and you know some of the academic literature on this. This really is a, a really important issue to understand and address um, from a practical perspective. And it can it can actually be more important than a, as important or more important than a lot of the issues that I think people are used to thinking about, like data quality issues, having enough data, having a good enough model. I think one example of this that I really liked there's this recent, I think it was a science also a science paper that came out, and it looked at these people who are um, or folks introducing models to predict like say toxicity of online comments or whether there's uh, uh, content violations. And the, the one thing you could do here is you could actually predict people's judgments. You could say normatively whether people normatively think that something is toxic or not. Or another thing you could do is you could predict whether there's like a violation of a fact. So you could say, oh, this comment has this abusive language in it or not. And then you can kind of threshold that. So these are two, two different ways to have a model that does the same thing. And what they showed is that if you predict the fact violation instead of the norm, basically you can have a model like the, the model performance um, drops as like you could, it's basically equivalent to removing. I have to remember the exact amount, but I think it's about removing about half of the data from your data set. So removing a very large proportion amount of data when you when you actually evaluate it with respect to the norms, the the toxic or not toxic, you get a very large performance drop if you predict the wrong label. So I think you could kind of put this on a yardstick in relation to other modeling challenges that people might be aware of. I think I could of. guess why, but yeah, could you could you should have shared the the intuition behind why that would be the case? 
Yeah, I actually don't know if, if I think people might be doing follow up studies to understand exactly what's going on here. Okay. Um, and, and in this study, I don't know if they dove into the exact factors. Uh, maybe I can I can send you a link to the to paper for folks who are interested in learning. But I think that the short answer is, it could there could be like technical things with thresholding, but part of it is just they're just different tasks. And maybe people making these normative decisions yeah. take into consideration multiple factors. And um, if the tasks are different, if it's, you know, if you're predicting the wrong task, you know, you, you kind of have a ceiling in terms of how well you can do. Got it. Okay. And then how about the, the remediation part? So, you know, we, we know we have some of these problems, you know, when you're practicing this stuff in the field, what, what options do you have at your disposal to uh, mitigate the impact? That's a great question. I think that it's in part, this is still something that's ongoing in terms of understanding how to understanding and, and mitigating these factors. So this is still something I don't know if I'd have a clear overall um, recommendation, but some things to start with would be to, I would say overall kind of the approach of taking multiple different labels and assessing impacts with respect to those. And that's one way to identify if you're having a serious label issue that's impacting downstream things in the organization. Uh, and then uh, related to that, yeah, looking at kind of externalities of your decision making system to seeing if there's other decisions downstream or other metrics that maybe could be impacted by the system and seeing whether you know decisions from predicting this label could affect those in, a, in an unfavorable way. So kind of taking a bit of zooming out a bit and taking a more you know bigger picture view of the system and its impact on other things that you're measuring. That's another way to, to get a handle on the problem and whether it's an issue. Those are, those are two things I would uh, suggest. Um, and also that exercise of kind of writing down the overall thing that you're trying to measure like customer satisfaction and its various operationalizations too. I could talk about a couple other related challenges if that'd be helpful. Here you go. Yeah, that would be good. And I was also going to say I, I would usually save save plugs for the end, but this seems relevant now because you, you mentioned that you are looking to meet with or to work to work with practitioners and in industry to kind of help them to see if some tooling that your lab is working on are sort of uh, relevant to to solving these problems in in practice. What what are you working on? I'm curious to hear hear more about this project and how you're thinking of uh, engaging with with uh, industry. Yeah, basically, you know, so if you're if you're a data scientist or you're a, a product team making a data product, you know, now a standard part of that evaluation is you might check the accuracy or the area under the receiver operating characteristic or false positive rate, false negative rate. There's a whole kind of uh, series of metrics that you might assess. Also, like fairness, depending on the application as well. So there's a lot of kind of quantitative evaluations that you might perform. And, you know, you would show this on a dashboard or on, on a slideshow in a, you know, in a team meeting. Or These are things that you look at when you make decisions about whether to introduce a model. And in this case, what we're thinking about or developing are tools that can exactly surface these labeling-related issues. Just thinking about how to quantify the impact of label-related challenges on the downstream decision to introduce a model or understand whether that model is actually achieving the, the purpose that you set out for. So we've got a couple of different tools that we're developing, kind of quantitative evaluation tools that you can plug into your workflow. And um, basically, we just want to make sure that these are, are useful for people and that they're informed by the challenges that folks are actually um, running into in practice. And so, yeah, we're just looking for some folks to um, run evaluations with and then also potentially interview and get a better handle on um, the challenges that they're encountering in practice. I, I think in the, ac in the academic literature and the research community, people study a, a certain set of applications a lot more often, like public uh, algorithms and governmental algorithms, and are maybe a little bit less aware of some of the issues that folks uh, in the industry are facing in terms of just uh, data science teams for different uh, business applications. So we just want to make sure we understand the full picture. One thing I was going to ask you too is, um, I'm curious, you know, when you when you made that tweet asking about or talking about these label related issues, are there any are there any applications or settings you had in mind that this has come up for you in practice? 
Yeah, there are, there are a few, and I think uh, the one that the one that comes up the most often for me feels like it has to do with um, the domain of customer customer retention and customer success. Uh, I see this a lot with companies trying to do things like predict predict things like NPS scores or predict retention, um, and it feels often like the thing that's being measured is not actually that closely to, to the the driving factor for making a retention to, to, for for the customers who are actually making a decision to stay with the the provider or not. And also, there's all sorts of interventions that are not accounted for in these analyses. So you have often you'll have customer success teams who have something some sort of process in place for intervening with unhappy customers. So it's, you know, you meet, you meet once a week and you, and you look at the, the customers who are, you know, marked red on the dashboard, which means that either they've mentioned that they might churn or they're not using the product or X, Y, Z, and everyone takes action items to go and talk to that person or talk to, to the point of contact of that client and see if you can kind of re-engage them, come up with a mutual action plan and so on and so forth. Setting aside whether the question of whether that's actually a good way to manage customer success, uh, that's that's sort of like this dynamic that's not that's not really possible to account for if you're just looking at you know tabular data that's got you know a list of customers and their their current NPS score and uh, some other facts about them right so thinking about how do you how do you actually do something useful in the space of you know trying to predict customer health or customer retention despite all of those interventions that are occurring on the basis of estimated understanding of health or likelihood to be uh, likelihood to churn. So I, I would say that's one where it feels like this happens all the time. It almost doesn't, it almost never doesn't happen. It's always happening <laughs> in that domain. <laughs> and yeah, there are definitely other ones, but I'm, I'm curious to get your thoughts on, on that sort of dynamic. And does that kind of, you know, does what I described kind of fit the mental model that you have of of how these these things go down, and uh, how relevant is is your research to sort of thinking and dissecting that sort of problem? Yeah, thanks for for sharing that. That that sounds like a setting that would be it's very common in industry, um, but also uh, this all of what I just talked about applies really directly there. And yeah, to dissect it a little bit, so there's a few things going on there. Uh, one thing is you know that what's the stated goal of the organization there. Well, it's to uh, improve customer satisfaction or customer, yeah, basically customer satisfaction. Or you could say also retention, which maybe would be more directly measured by some indicator that you have available, whether folks stay on the platform or not. And you said, I think, that you you feel like this is an issue or there's a difference between the two. And that's oftentimes what happens is you, you have a sense of, you can have a model that's predicting retention or churn or satisfaction well, but um, if that's not directly mapping to the thing you're trying to measure, there's not an easy way to quantify that or understand that difference at this moment. So yeah, thinking about how to how to get at that more concretely or surfacing differences between what you're trying to measure and what you're actually predicting uh, is, is something we're thinking about a lot. And the other thing I'd, I'd dive into a little bit more there is this notion of uh, interventions. Uh, so something another challenge that we think about a lot is um, the impact of oftentimes you have a decision that you're trying to inform with the model, like uh, in your case, you know, success interventions. And it turns out if you overlook the impact of that decision on the downstream outcomes that you're predicting by a model, you can also do uh, 
kind of badly, or you can you can have a model that uh, doesn't achieve the task that you set out for. And what kind of the way to set this up, the, uh, if you were to to set it up carefully, would be um, like an A/B test, or sometimes people look at an A/B test where the intervention is whatever success intervention you have. But you can kind of basically you want to predict these uh, success or retention conditional on you know the different interventions that you're that you're looking at. Now, if it's the case where interventions are kind of ad hoc, you, you talked about people doing different things. Well, that's a situation where it, it's a little bit difficult in a in a data set to uh, you know exactly write down that and, or to understand the impact of the interventions. And maybe they maybe they cancel out or maybe they you know the, the interventions are additive. It's it's tough to say. But in that case, you'd probably want to have a more kind of a disciplined way. If there's a key intervention that you're considering, you know, be consistent with that over a period of time, and then you can get a better idea of of modeling, basically predicting customer retention or satisfaction conditional on whether that intervention is occurring or not. Yeah, totally. How about you? Have you thought much through, like, you know, as you're as you're trying to find people in industry to talk to you about this problem? You know, what's what sorts of domains does this crop up in, and what what areas do you think that this this problem is actually something that's affecting business outcomes in a way that would resonate with people? I'll start with some of the domains that yeah we've been thinking about recently, but also like in the past, I, I know a lot of that works has been done with us in, and then I'll I'll end on some of the um, yeah, business relevant applications. Um, and I, I'm actually not as familiar with all the business impacts uh, too. So if, if there's a listener who's hearing this and like, oh, wow, this is really relevant to our application, um, I'd love to learn about it. But historically, a lot of people started thinking about this with these, these risk assessments that were being used to inform judges' decisions of whether to release uh, release people on parole, and you know, people became increasingly aware of you know issues with just because someone's be arrested, that doesn't mean they committed a crime. You know, there's there's a difference between those two things, and this kind of a lot of the the academic work on this is thinking about you know this difference between rearrest and whether someone actually commits a crime with those labels, um, and then of course there's the, the healthcare example that I just gave you, and a lot of the things, the settings we're thinking about now are from uh, actually in education. So there's a lot of education interventions that people can take um, that can impact different learning outcomes, uh, as well as um, in healthcare as well, where there's a lot of you know risk assessments um, being deployed. So thinking in, the, in these settings about is where we've been um, spending a lot of our time, just because that's also where there's some data sets available that we can look at and, and some practitioners, different data scientists we can chat with as well. In terms of mapping this to some places in industry where this could pop up, Definitely, like we, we talked about anymore with like customer retention or satisfaction modeling. Also, with uh, in, in the finance sector, um, if you're interested in like predicting creditworthiness um, or different financial outcomes, this this intervention question comes into play, as well as um, measurement related issues with your labels. Also, I, I touched on this earlier, but anywhere where you have actually humans providing annotations for normative things, like whether you know content is toxic or not or violates norms. Uh, these kinds of models are subject to a lot of these issues as well. Especially people can disagree. You know, different people can can disagree about how you would um, how, sh- how something should be annotated across different contexts, or also just based on their background and their cultural context they're coming in with. So those are a couple of industry uh, applications that I'm aware of now. Um, but also really interested to to learn about any any other ones that um, we might not uh, might not be on our radar. Yeah. Well. That's a call to action for anyone listening. Uh, if, if, any, if, this, if this discussion is kind of generating ideas for you, uh, I think Luke would love to hear from you, and, and I would too, to be honest. Yeah, as you were going through that list, I think uh, this, it's obviously a pervasive issue, but um, in, health, in healthcare, not my field of expertise, but uh, I've been learning recently about data science and analytical applications in the value-based healthcare world, where you have a lot of people who are really thinking hard about tr- how to balance optimizing outcomes while also creating accountability 
Um, so it's like, you know, on one hand, you want to reduce the overall cost of delivering, you know, healthcare, delivering good health to a, a you know, a population of people. But often that requires um, making hard decisions, you know, death, death panels and, and so forth, as they say. So, yeah, it feels like the feels like that's an area where I mean, I, also, I know that lot, lots of those companies are lots of companies in the value based healthcare space are increasingly focused on profitability and, you know, owned by uh, private equity firms for better, for worse, right? Like that can drive some efficiencies, but it can also lead to some um, like unseemly behavior. Behavior, But yeah, I think there's there's probably lots of people in that world who are, you know, in, in need of help thinking through this sort of issue. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and as you, as you touched on there, you know, there's of course a part that I didn't talk about is just the, the broader organizational aspect and, you know, what are, what are models being introduced for and what are the goals of them? Yeah. And I think there's a lot of, you know, valid discussion around that as well. Um, and something to think about carefully. Um, but I think the view that, um, you know, I try to take is, is, you know, there is a, a legitimate discussion about modeling and sometimes in the organizational context. Um, and people in the, in the academic community are thinking about that too. But I also just think there's the basic question of, you know, does this model do what we set out to do? You know, and it, does it function as expected? And that, that's a question that on the, the basic data, a lot of the current data science practices and evaluation strategies um, don't fully answer. And that's a big issue because, you know, setting aside a lot of the larger normative questions or ethical questions, which are really important to engage with, um, especially people, you know, not just researchers, but you know, people are impacted by the by the systems as well. Um, just the more, yeah, focusing on the more core question and things I'm at least uh, able to help with is thinking about the evaluation aspect and determining uh, in what settings this model is performing its intended task. One question I had for you too, Nathan. Um, I'm I'm really curious for the retention modeling setup that you discussed. How what, what was your thinking around how to address that in, in that context? Are there any kind of current practices that you had for that problem? Yeah. Actually, on the subject of you know organizational issues, like it it does feel to me like these sorts of problems, you know, ha- having been on the front lines where a lot of these a lot of models like this get built and delivered, and then have the problems that we've been talking about, it does it feels like it's always a people issue at some level, right? Because within an organization, you have a mandate for an analytical initiative to deliver a model that does X. And, you know, everyone along the, the chain of execu- executing on that project is accountable to produce the next increment of, uh, you know, progress as, as their job description, you know, outlines. And that, lead, that can just lead to, to skipping some of these bigger picture considerations. Um, so that, there's a politi- that's sort of the political aspect of it. And then I think there's also the... The maybe data data literacy aspect of it, which is where you have often these projects are kind of initiated by people who are thinking of this as a business opportunity and not as a data science exercise. And those are different frames of mind, right? You want to optimize some business a business metric. That's one thing. Um, you want to you know build a fair and transparent and accurate. Uh, machine learning model that's a totally different thing but you need to do one in the service of the other and if there's not a certain level of data literacy and kind of like appropriate skepticism and kind of self self criticality at that you know upper decision level when a project starts then that can sort of cascade downward uh, to a point where you know these questions about data label quality and bias um, don't get asked because 
on the ground, what's happening is this kind of like sprint to the next deliverable, uh, which is all about, you know, working with the data that you have and kind of making making the best of that. I don't know if you've you've seen that dynamic happen in in practice, but uh, yeah, it's it feels it feels tough to um, to counteract or to stand up against. Um, and I'm curious if you know, sort of, uh, there is an academic perspective on this. Like, how do you think about kind of alleviating that sort of dynamic within an organization? Maybe not. It's a, it's a very it's a very tough problem. But curious if you have thoughts there. Yeah, I'm glad that you that you touched on the organizational aspect and the um, organizational incentives aspect. The short answer I would say um, from the from the academic side, I'm not as um, there definitely is a lot of literature that talks about the relationships, like the organizational dynamics, uh, and how that that boils down to different model decisions. I'm not uh, super well versed in all that literature, um, but what I would say is if if folks want to learn more about some of the papers on that, um, there's a conference uh, fact, which is the the main kind of uh, fairness ethics related kind of conference. I would, there's some, some recent papers from there that could be worth just checking out and flipping through a lot of work there that could be really useful. But in terms of the, the practical impl- implications of it, I think there's kind of uh, two levels to it, which is first is, um, so hey, we're an, or, we're an organization and we, we introduced this model to improve some, some KPI or some performance indicator. The first question is, um, you know, th- does this model do what we, what we say that it should do? Um, so there's this question of, th- does this model achieve its intended goal? So if the, if the goal is to improve customer satisfaction, you know, d- does that model do that? And this is a basic uh, kind of functionality question. Uh, or some people have talked about like safety or liability functionality. And, and you know, this is something that from software engineering, we're really used to thinking about you know, in terms of you know, testing and reliability. And uh, so from an engineering perspective, this is a question that's raised a lot. And it, kind of regardless of the context, if the system doesn't do what you think it should do, then you know, that's not going to help anyone out. That can, it's going to introduce issues for end users or decision subjects impacted by the system. Uh, it's not going to help the organization, you know, achieve its whatever incentives they've set out to. Um, so it's really a lose-lose for everyone. And that's really what um, a lot of the, the things I've talked about today are just kind of focusing that on that inner issue or that, that kind of foundational issue of functionality. Does the model do it with what we say it should do? But then, um, of course, zooming out a little bit, there are so many factors beyond that. You know, is the task this model is being introduced for equ- equitable? Is this helping people you know, that are outside the organization? Is it fair or transparent? Um, a lot of broader concerns that are really important to think about uh, across a lot of different stakeholders. Um, so I think that that second question, while really important, uh, isn't necessarily the core focus of all the things um, that we've talked about today. Got it. But yeah, I'm, I'm really curious, uh, when you were encountering this, this churn prediction issue and noticing that a lot of the labels that were available you know, there might be some issues with. Um, I'm really curious um, what kind of tools you use to think about that problem or, you know, how you ended up thinking about solving it and kind of like what the current best practices are from your perspective. Yeah, so good question. You know, like I said, I probably, I probably, you know, didn't nail it 100%, but I think that some things, I think we did some things right. So so one of those things is um, we really had to think about different cohorts of customers, right? There were, there were some, not all customers were, were equal and not all data points were equally relevant to, to different groups of customers. So I think kind of making sure, it basically comes down to inserting features into your you know, data modeling efforts that capture the variation that exists in the real world, even if that wasn't part of the initial spec. So you can sort of look at you know, the, the population that you're trying to make a prediction about and into it, hey, this is not one population. This is actually three because, you know, we changed the nature of the product uh, 
three months ago and these product, these customers were sold this and these customers were sold that. So you just got to split them, right? They're sort of different, different exercises. So either, you know, two separate models or uh, at least like, you know, some indicator variable in your, and we're getting a little wonky here, right? But like at least an indicator variable somewhere in your training matrix so that you can differentiate between the two things. And then the other thing, this is more like a sort of human dynamic thing that we had to navigate was, you know, we were interested in producing this um, this customer. It was really more about customer health than than churn specifically. And I think that, you know, so pre- so predicting like the, <laughs> this was a challenge. Just like kind of figuring out what did what did our stakeholders need, what did they want predicted, what did they want modeled, and what action did they want to drive off of that. And it turned out it wasn't just one thing. They wanted to know who who which customers are at risk. Uh, they also wanted to know which customers should we engage with, should we have an intervention with. And they also wanted to track overall customer health at a macro level. So those are three completely different things that uh, as a you know customer health stakeholder, you're probably not trained to know from a data science perspective that those are all different projects. Those are all different uh, questions to answer. But you know we are sort of asked to answer them all. And so this is <laughs> maybe more of a management trick than a data science trick, but what we ended up doing is delivering a model that predicted churn. I, I believe it was churn was kind of the, the the eventual thing that we went with, but or maybe there was a couple iterations on it. But we also <laughs> just gave them the raw data. We were like, here you go. <laughs> Here's a great report you can use to kind of slice and dice this in, in the way you need. And if there's kind of like a next level of sort of prediction or insight you need, um, it would be great if your team could kind of dig into the data their own and try to extract some of those insights and we can help them if they get stuck. And what that accomplished was two things. One is kind of um, giving them a chance to developing some empathy with the difficulty of the exercise, but also, you know, shedding, shedding light on the data itself and, you know, helping the stakeholders realize some of the challenges uh, of using the data as it was and some of the label bias and sample bias and, how you how you couldn't magically go from you know the data we had to a perfect answer to their question and i think that the the thought process on the stakeholders part was probably more valuable and more informative to the organization any model that the data team trained so that was that was an interesting sort of growth experience as a as a data leader yeah that that's fascinating thanks for sharing that it, yeah it sounds like by by getting clear about the labels of the data, it also kind of like forced um, you guys to get clear about the task and the, the broader organizational context you're trying to set out to do. Yeah, yeah. And I think I think one pitfall that we avoided was where a lot of the complexity and the assumption making that goes into predicting something, rather than hiding it behind the walls of kind of a data science function, we brought it out into the open and said, Look! Look how hard this is. It's nearly impossible, and it was. It was. It was like the data. You know, this was a you know a B two B context where we were dealing with like hundreds and not hundreds of thousands of customers. And um, this happens a lot in industry, by the way. Like because you'll have B two C and B two B are very different in a in a data context because you're dealing with very different orders of magnitude. And some sometimes you're sort of at a B two B in a B two B context. You're asked to translate B two C thing to the B two B world, and it just it doesn't work. So <laughs> the, the jaded side of me is coming coming out at this point, but you, you get the idea. Like I think um, 
it, it is it is pure and simple an example of the sort of issue that that your research is all about. But the solution was less technical and more just like uh, you know manager jujitsu type of thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean the, the solution to a lot of these things they well that's all that's exactly it. It, it exists outside the data. It's about figuring out how to get get clear about the context in which the model is used and the relationship between the model and the, the organization. And one thing that yeah. one thing your answer reminded me of, um, you know, a resource that your listeners might be interested in that I found useful in thinking about business side of this. Uh, there's a book called uh, How to Measure Anything: uh, Finding the Value of Intangibles in Business by like Douglas Hubbard, I think, is a consultant. But that book's a lot about um, labeling and measurement and uh, the relationship between decisions that are being reached and data sources. So that's an interesting book to start. I think there's some holes in there, some opportunities, you know, for, for refining it some as several years old. I forget when it was published. Uh, oh, okay, 2014, not too, not too, old, not, not too long ago. But um, that could be a good starting off point for folks who are interested in getting a, a more thorough handle on some of these issues. Cool. Well, we'll put that in the show notes and I can second the recommendation because I've also had it recommended to me many times. <laughs> nice. I've never read it. I think I've, I think I've put it in my Amazon cart, but I've never, I've never pressed purchase. But uh, yeah, I do think I do think just um, investing in data literacy within within organizations is really valuable. Super hard to measure the impact of doing that, but there there's so many ways that having you know having business stakeholders who have that sort of uh, mindset and training can make make uh, life easier. Not just life easier for data scientists, but make them make make uh, business stakeholders better partners to data teams who are, you know, who are charged with coming up with these insights um, and then can then take those insights and use them appropriately, kind of taking that, you know, data literacy skill um, into, into account. Cool. Where else are we going with this? Anything else you wanted to chat about? I think that, I think that this is, that, that was most of it. Um, I, I guess like one, one nice segue would be, you know, in this example, you just mentioned, you know, what, what tools would have been uh, helpful for you? Are there, are there uh, do you see anything going forward in the asks? Of the research community, or other folks thinking about this, um, that could kind of help help this process for you, or um, in other cases, you've seen it come up. Yeah, I mean, I think often often the you know my head goes straight to solving the the political and organizational and communication issue because um, these problems I think only have a negative impact when they actually make it to production, and some and somewhere along the way you have to say, wait, 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 we have this problem. Here's the potential impact here's what we might do to solve it, and then bring that to the table as an option. Um, and right now, it feels like there's not a good way for data practitioners or people responsible for data products to really do that and sort of um, credibly put their feet on the brakes to slow down a project and make time and you know get resources to address a, a data labeling problem or a data quality problem or a data bias problem. So I guess my take would be even setting set aside remediating the problem itself. Um, if there's if there's tools or methods that can make surfacing and visualizing this sort of problem a lot easier, uh, and talking about it a lot easier, like kind of creating a common language around it, that feels like where the immediate value would would lie for a lot of practitioners in industry. Yeah, that's um, I I got excited hearing you talk about that. Yeah, I think that was kind of, that's also our assertion too is, um, you know, people when they evaluate models, you know, if you have a PowerPoint slide deck about, you know, the, when you decide about whether to introduce a model, 
a lot of that discussion is also around you know evaluation of its accuracy or its performance capability. And if there's a language and a, and a set of tools or a way to communicate data label, uh, data label related issues uh, in a way that's you know quantified or really concrete about its potential impacts, um, that could help to maybe make the discussion a little bit more concrete. Because um, I think there's this feeling of that there's issues, like you mentioned, like you know we know there's issues here, but we can't put our finger on the exact impact of it. So I think if yeah, if you're if you or any of your listeners are ever interested in um, helping develop and evaluate some of those tools, uh, definitely uh, reach out. Cool. Any last minute uh, thoughts or or things you want to plug before we wrap up? I don't think so. Yeah, I think um, yeah, what I just mentioned was the main the main takeaway for me, and um, yeah, it was just great to have the time to chat. Yeah, and I'm excited to to hear uh, all the great things coming out from your podcast. Cool. Um, well, if um, if anyone wants to reach out, how should they get in touch with you? Yeah, feel free to reach out. Nathan and I met on on X or Twitter um, at Luke Gurdon um, <laughs> at L U K E G U E R D A N. Um, you can also on there. I think I have a link to a website and an email address too. Um, email is also good um, if you want to reach out that way. But yep, both those ways are are great to get in touch. Cool. Uh, we'll stick your info in the show notes. And yeah, this was a fun conversation. I learned a bunch. Um, and yeah, thanks for coming on. This was fun. Yeah, Nathan, thanks for having me. All right, take care. And that's it for the show. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe and leave a rating on your podcast app of choice. Once again, the show is brought to you by Endeavor Labs, a data and AI-focused consultancy run by yours truly. If you have feedback about the podcast or want to talk data, please reach out. Nathan at EndeavorLabs.co. Once again, that's Nathan at EndeavorLabs.co. I'll see you next time.